these incentives are in destinations typically that people want to go to and maybe have gone to before. But to be able to show them something that they haven't seen, I think takes someone that can make the inaccessible accessible to them. Hey there, thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeremy Dobrish, and this is The Procast, brought to you by Proscenium Events in New York City. It's a podcast about corporate events. Now, each month we take a bite-sized look at how to make these corporate events, conferences, programs, shows even more effective and impactful. So let me ask you a question. Would you rather be wherever you happen to be right now or sitting on a beach in Hawaii? Well, in today's episode, we're going to Hawaii, at least in our minds. In fact, you may even be able to hear some authentic Hawaiian dogs barking in the background. Today, my guests are Talia Tanau, owner of one of Hawaii's absolute best destination management companies, and Sam Port, one of New York City's best creative directors. They team up each year on Maui to create unforgettable authentic experiences for T-Mobile's Noka Oi, celebrating the top performers within the company. So, if you're curious about how to make the most of incentive events, stand by for Q1 of the Procast. And Q1, let's go. All right. So I am here with Talia Tinau, the owner of Hawaii Destinations Premier, and Sam Port, Senior Creative Director of Proscenium Events. Sam, Talia, welcome to the Procast. Aloha. Aloha. Uh, Sam, now you're not in Hawaii now, are you, Sam? But you were recently in Hawaii, right? No, I'm here in New York. My mind is still in Hawaii, still on Maui. It takes a little while to readjust back to New York. But Talia, you are in Hawaii, is that correct? Yes, I'm on the island of Maui, born and raised here in Hawaii. So we're here today to talk about incentive events. So what is an incentive event? How do I know that my event is or is not an incentive event? At the core of it, I think an incentive is really just a a reward, some kind of recognition for an employee's exceptional performance that year. And incentive travel has tons of data and facts about how it does help to just motivate those that are there in the company and get them excited to perform at top level so that they can be a part of these wild incentives. And so, Sam, if I'm doing a show in Las Vegas, which is a destination lots of people want to go to, and we have awards where we're recognizing people for their achievements throughout the year, is that an incentive event? That absolutely is an incentive event, the way I think of it. I think a lot of the events that I've done that have been incentives have this idea of once you win it, you have these bragging rights. So you can also not only have the experience of a lifetime while you're there, but also go back and show it off to everyone who's who's back at home or who's your coworkers say, listen, because of the blood, sweat, and tears that I put into this role, into my job, my day-to-day, and, and, and how I interact with my coworkers, this is what you get out of it. And so I think... That's a big part of it is just being able to enjoy the experience as its own and also being able to talk about it and share it with everyone else after the fact. And it really is an experience that you couldn't do on your own. It's easier to go to Vegas and have a great time at great dinners, but how do you really make this? I want to go to Vegas because it's part of this bigger program and and I'm going to have these talked about moments for the rest of my life because I got to do it through this lens. Interesting. And as we were talking about authentic events, one of the words that kept coming up was authenticity. 
it's really important that incentive events be authentic. So first of all, Talia, what do, what do we mean by the word authentic? I think being authentic really speaks to your destination. Like as a full-service DNC, a destination management company, for us, it is all about Hawaii. Hawaii is what you are coming for and the culture that it is, the raw beauty that it has, being able to show that destination at its truest, I think is how I interpret the authenticity of it. And so Sam, what makes an event inauthentic and and why would that be a problem? I think it'll be helpful to look at this through the way that Tully and I have worked together specifically because it's been a number of years now that the two of us have, have been a part of a team to produce a large event for T-Mobile specifically, a big incentive program called Peak Achievement. And every year it's on Maui. And I think it's one of the, the best parts of getting to work with Talia and her team is that we're able to also look at everything that we do, every single touch point to, to the question of, is this authentic to the, where we are? Is it authentic to T-Mobile? Is it authentic to the area where we're at and also the culture that we're also in getting to enjoy? And I'm using this purely anecdotally, but for example, when you said uh, Maui no Kaoi, so even the no Kaoi, there are you have to do a little bit of research, but there's different, correct me if I'm wrong, what they're called, like oh, the Okina, little demarcations on the word itself that are important to have. And if you don't have it, it's, it's sort of a sign of respect, really. This is Behind the Scenes, Bethany, breaking in with the fact check. Maui no Kaoi is Hawaiian for Maui is the best, and it comes from ancient Hawaiian chanting tradition. And also when we're giving leadership a speaking point, just make sure we know the right pronunciation. That's one part of it. The other piece would be something like if we're going to show the use of a tiki or we're going to use a tiki in something, you could pull something off Google search or what have you. But we want to make sure that there are, you know, I was talking to Talia's team, hey, is this the right one? Is this, there are different deities, I think, represented within these different carvings and different structures. And is this the right one? Is is this doing justice to what we're trying to say here? And that's just taking it a little step further. Um, And I think very important and a sign of respect. And that's, I think the authenticity for me, that, that definition is about being respectful to the attendees as well as to the culture. Sam, can I just say though, you guys, you in particular, uh, Proscenium as a whole, you guys are really amazing when it comes to wanting to to dial into even the smallest of details like that, Kina and, and different inflections on the Hawaiian language. It, it's not all of our planners that actually do have that level of respect and thoughtfulness. And I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to have that exchange with you each and every year. Just I'm I even learn things about my culture because I'm having to like <laughs> wait. Let me make sure this is right <laughs> before I say anything. So you guys really are exceptional at that. It's nice to hear. Thank you. I love that. You talked about this a little bit, but I'm curious. Just what sort of steps can event producers take to make incentive events more? authentic? Oh, that's a good question. I think finding a partner, a DMC, if you will, that does have a a real tie to the destination is going to be paramount because the way I look at it, I, I feel like a responsibility to be able to share our home in a way that you wouldn't get to see. Like to Sam's point, these incentives are in destinations typically that people want to go to and maybe have gone to before. But to be able to show them something that they haven't seen, I think takes someone that can make the inaccessible accessible to them. I I think of it like when you have a friend in a cool city and you've never been there before, but you know someone that lives there 
and you now get to go there and they show you the cool spots, not the tourist traps. And they show you the hole in the wall that has the best lao lao or shave ice or go to this beach between these times because the honu, the turtles come right up on the shore and they're there every day. And you know that beach, Sam, because it's in Pua'ia. <laughs> I sure do. And you now have a friend there that is going to show you things that you just wouldn't have known before. So I think that's maybe step one in trying to be authentic with your your planning. Everything that she's saying is why we wanted to partner with her and her team specifically when we had other options. And I think that that's, you said it right there, that that piece of it, having a friend there, that's what it felt like. And so Sam, can you think of a specific example from the attendees perspective where that sort of partnership or that sort of authenticity or having that friend really made a difference and they could feel it? Trophy design. These award winners are the culmination of their week of events is this beautiful award ceremony under the stars by the ocean. It's just a stunning evening. And so they, as, as part of the event, each uh, winner goes up to stage, uh, has their moment with the leadership team and receives a trophy uh, photo op and comes down the stage. And that trophy over the years has um, been a very beautiful piece. But the last couple of years, they want to do something, we collectively want to do something a little bit more special and substantive. And what we ended up doing is making these uh, custom monkey pod wood trophies that are sourced from the islands. Each one's hand carved, etching throughout it, it has their names on it. Each one is unique. But the process even of working with your team to make sure that it was doable, that it was, it was supporting the economy on the islands is uh, was very important. And so there was, a, there was just so many components to it that made it feel authentic. You, know, you are getting this piece now, this more than a souvenir, it's like a piece of the island. I think that was that's that's one of many examples of how we've been able to work with Talia and her DMC because of her connections. And you were like a one-stop shop in that respect. And it's all people can talk about. They are stunning trophies and really just a gorgeous kind of compliment to the whole program. That's yeah. great. They sound amazing. Yeah. So Talia, do you have any experience of any times when people did it wrong? What is it that people, are they trying to you know cut a corner or something they don't think about that really makes a difference in the opposite direction and where they mm. don't get to take full advantage of the kind of things that you and that Hawaii have to offer for their attendees? I wouldn't say it's wrong, but there are planners that just, they are not as thoughtful about the guest experience and really showing their attendees something that they wouldn't be able to get on their own. And I think some people have a preconceived notion of what Hawaii is and it can be canned. You know, I would be lying to say that there are not aspects of our culture that has been like canned and homogenized into something that it really is not. But I, I think they they miss the truest sense of why you're coming to Hawaii. There are other islands in the world that are equally beautiful in its own right. The weather and the raw beauty of the islands is not just why you would come here. I think tapping into the culture, I, I always go back to that because I think it's something that could, it's just not replicated anywhere else in the world. And sorry, I get all proud about it, but it, it really is something that it's it's visceral and you feel it when you really experience it. When you hear one of our kupunas are, are like elders and they're doing a traditional oli or a prayer or a blessing, you feel that. You feel it inside. And it, it's just something that can't be replicated in other places. I think planners that are not tapping into that miss the, the real reason why you actually came to Hawaii. 
And it's sad. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I got, I want to just, I want to go right now. I want to be there. You make it, you just bring it to life so incredibly. Oh, it sounds amazing. What about challenges? What are things that clients have asked for or particularly wanted that you thought, oh boy, okay, how are we going to pull this off? 17 years of doing DMC, I feel like there's just nothing we haven't really seen. I think this kind of post-pandemic COVID climate that we're in has had a lot of effect on just labor, supply and demand. Just everything here has been a little bit more challenging, a little slower to get answers. I think that is just like when you said challenge, I'm like, oh, that's been a big one for us locally. As far as requests coming in, I like the outlandish. Like, What can we do that we've never done that seems pretty impossible? It, it gets me kind of excited. So I, I like that aspect, but I think when we are given a very tight time parameter or no budget to back it up, that's when it becomes really laborious and grueling. If you want an experience that is going to be particularly incredible, it comes at a cost. Can you think of any of these incredible type experiences that, that somebody wanted or just that you fashioned for someone where you thought this is above and beyond? We had a small auto company that comes to Hawaii all the time. And they wanted to do what you cannot do. And that was the request. It was like, what can we not do? How can you make that happen for us? And we were like, okay. And what we ended up doing was we took uh, 40 of their top executives and we flew them over to the island of Molokai. The island of Molokai is one of the less inhabited of the islands. And it's known to be the birthplace of hula. And, you know, hula being the heartbeat of our our culture, how stories and legends were passed down. That's how you told stories and how it came from generation to generation was through dance. And it's believed that on the island of Molokai, they have a place called the hula pico. And pico is your belly button. So think of it like an umbilical cord, almost like it is where hula was born. And it's up on the highest sea cliffs in the world. Molokai has the highest sea cliffs in the world. And so you have, like, I'm getting goosebumps because I had never been there before. And I'm, I'm born and raised. I had never been there before, but we had to go and, like, cite it, right? Now, my husband is from the island of Molokai. And they have no care in the world for tourism. They're very kind of self-contained as an island. They, they're they not like Maui. They're not like Oahu, that part of the island. Like, it, we call it kapu. Meaning like you, that's a no, no, it's not, it's not allowed. It's banned. And that area, if you don't have granted like permission to go, you don't go there. And it was everything about who we knew to get permission to go and not just us local people, but bring visitors up there and how they were going to be respectful of the land and how they were going to experience it. And I'm being very long-winded, but I apologize. It was just, it was a moment that will forever stick out in my mind because we brought them up to this ridiculously gorgeous vantage point. And it's up on a mound, up on a cliffside. And we brought in Moana's Hula Halau, which is local to the island. My husband's family has danced in this Hula Halau for all their lives. We brought them up and they performed Hula in the most ancient Kahiko style 
And it was like, I was crying and there were other people there that were like moved to tears as well. And for, for me, that, that was just one of the moments that I was like, no matter how challenging, no matter how crazy, this is what it's all about. That is an incredible story. I mean, talk about giving people a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's beyond that. Sam, I don't know how you could possibly talk <laughs> that story, but do you have any experiences with clients asking for just incredibly challenging things? I think, uh, wow, I'm, I am, I got chills to tell you from that. Well, you know, there's a couple on a very different scale, and actually not referring to the islands at the moment, but we did another event in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria when San Juan was still very much rebuilding, but it was, and a lot of the areas were in bad shape. But we chose to have our event there knowing that as part of the recovery efforts and to bring some economy back or to, to bring some business back to the island in every respect from lodging, food, uh, service. And, you know, overall, the event was very successful. But of course, there was a lot of challenges of just the event was supposed to be at one venue. We had to be then in five all across town. So again, the, the challenges were let's let's have a very high profile event in San Juan shortly after the hurricane. But we had some power issues at X, Y, and Z, but it still became this very special event because of the, the circumstances surrounding it. And I think that sort of knowing the effort it took to to get there and the meaning that it had to everyone who, who attended and the impact that it had on the community, I think that was a good example of overcoming those challenges and producing a beautiful, unforgettable event. Wow. Now, what about for the future? What is the future of incentive events or in five years, where do you see incentive events going? Sam, you want to start that one? I don't necessarily see them changing dramatically. I, I actually think as long as you're making people feel valued and special and giving them an opportunity they wouldn't normally experience, then that's the core of it. And sure, there will be some technological advances in maybe some of the screens we're using or some of our like, dance party equipment or what, whatever it is. I think that those will certainly adapt. And yes, and in five years, I hope that we're back to fully functional as far as everything up and running smoothly with post-COVID or, or whatever that looks like. But I think the core of it People want to be together. So if you're putting people together in a, an environment and making them feel special and getting to, the other big piece is quality time with the leadership. I think at least from the clients that I've worked with on these events, a big part of it is these winners and these attendees want that special time with a, a level of leadership they wouldn't normally get. And so if you're providing those opportunities continually and meaningful encounters beyond just a handshake, I think that's an important piece that's not going anywhere. Well, it's interesting because the way you've been talking about it, you're looking to have an experience that's steeped in tradition and that offers you access or a glimpse or a moment in time into a culture you're not so familiar with. And so that's actually what you want to be enveloped in rather than anything that's more forward-looking. I think you're right. Yeah. So technology doesn't necessarily <laughs> help in that regard. Yeah. There's obviously the event itself, and there's also going to the event. And perhaps as you keep seeing these, these articles about planes of the cabins of the future or what have you, potentially there's ways to really enhance that travel to the program as well. Uh, and those touch points along the way. I know that we do work you know, with our clients to do it the best we can so that there's a pre-event, get excited experience box, for lack of a better term. So I think we could maybe find ways to improve even in that world of making the journey there even more impactful as well, or giving more and more a background so that once you arrive, you already have a frame of mind instead of having to teach that when you get there. Yeah, that's a great point. 
All right. Well, I'd love to move on to our lightning round, if that's all right. This is just three questions we ask all our guests. So the first one is, who's your biggest get? So what I mean by that is a guest speaker, an entertainer, a subject matter expert, just anyone you would love to see at one of your events. Talia, what do you think? Someone that it meant a lot to me. It was it, He is an entertainer here. His name is Kelly E. Rachel. And he, I grew up with his music. And he's a very famous, locally famous performer, Kumu Hula, a, a, a hula teacher. And in the, I want to say like early 90s, he really like revolutionized how we thought of Hawaiian music and gave it a contemporary voice. Moving away from like that kind of 60s Don Tiki type of stuff that we saw and then it morphed into something else. And the I think Kelly really brought a completely different take to the music and it was something that I grew up with. And when I got to book him for the first time and hear him and talk to him and that to me was kind of like, yay. Locally, it was a big deal for us. In Hawaii, we are blessed that we have tons of celebrities that come here all the time. We see them all the time. But it's like the local celebrities that are a kind of a bigger deal for me, at least for, for us. So just recently, we booked a, a big local band called Ekolu. And again, growing up with their music, it was like, yeah, like we get to we get now to to book them and experience it from this aspect and actually support them and their families now. So it feels full circle to me. Wow. We'll have to uh, link to some of that music in the show notes. That sounds really cool and probably music that a lot of people haven't heard, but would really enjoy. Sam, how about you? Well, I would love to uh, be able to bring in an artist, Dua Lipa. I I think about artists or uh, performers that make me just happy every time I hear and make me want to dance. And I think we need that. And I would love to bring her and her talent to any number of our events. No, she's great. I agree. I would love to see her. All right. Second question. What's one thing you wish presenters did more of? So something when you see presenters on stage not being their best, what's a tip, some advice you could give them that they could do better? It's a little bit of a, maybe a personal pet peeve, but starting off with, how's everybody doing today? (laughs) Maybe if we could, maybe let's let's get rid of that and then just jump into the meat of it. I think uh, that would be a great start. I know that's often a tactic to rile the audience, but personally, I'd like to start off with, let's just dive in. Get right to it. Yes. That's good advice. All right. The third question is, what is something, this could be a book, a movie, a song, whatever you like, that was a big influence on you and, and particularly if it influenced your career? I do a lot of Audible. I would say one book that I have listened to several times now is The Power of Moments. And it's so applicable to what we do in events, creating moments as small as they are that really connect somebody. And we talk all the time about making memories. And this particular book really kind of unpacks how we remember things, how it is so tied to emotion, how we feel about an experience and really not about what we're like seeing. It's not about a tangible factoid or something that you've picked up. It's how you feel, how that experience made you feel. And I loved getting to understand that more and then how we can build out and create a space for these moments. And I I personally love the fact that they don't have to be grand. They're usually something very small and intimate and personal to somebody. So that book I thought was a big one. I love that. And I don't know that book. So that sounds great. I'm going to definitely look into that. That's very cool. All right, Sam, what have you come up with? I do go back to the Broadway musical Miss Saigon 
because it's a show that I saw that it, when it toured through Tampa when I grew up, uh, when I was 12. And that I remember that when I saw that show, I knew that somehow I was going to be involved professionally the rest of my life in the creative field. And long story short, that kind of inspired me to pursue a career in performance, which I did for a while, and then which actually led me now to proscenium, which I've now been almost nine years. And we do, we provide a theatrical mentality and point of view and, and production to events. And I think that's been a great fit. That's it all sort of in some world led to one step led to another. And so here we are. It's, it's a really magical moment, isn't it? I think a lot of theater people have that experience, that show that they saw and for whatever reason mm-hmm. made them say, I have to do this. And it just sets them on a new path in their life. So that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you both. This has been so delightful talking to the two of you. Thank you. Now, Sam tells me sometimes about his adventures in T-Mobile, but getting Mm -hmm. to really sit down and unpack it. And Talia, the way you talk about these experiences, I can really feel what it must be like for the attendees to be there in this journey that the two of you, that your partnership takes them on and really gets them to have these wonderful experiences and journeys. And you use the word moments that they're never going to forget that their company has given them in recognition of whatever it is that they did. That's just unbelievable. And the fact that you're bringing that to them and providing that for them, it's really incredible. So thank you so much for sharing those stories. I really appreciate you both taking the time. Thank you, Jeremy. Our pleasure. Awesome. Well, that was so great getting to talk with Talia and Sam about how to make the most of incentive events and how to make them more authentic. For me, there were four top takeaways, and these are the four tops. Number four, when your event involves a different culture, you want to get the details right and make sure you're being respectful of that culture. Number three, Using a DMC is the best way to ensure you get those details right. Number two, when you go to an incredible destination, you want to show your attendees something beyond the stereotype of what they've seen before or something they would never be able to get on their own. And number one, having a good DMC is like having a friend in a cool city who can show you the best spots to go to, the best food to eat, and they can create incredible once-in-a-lifetime experiences. But look, I could talk about this stuff all day. And if you want to talk to us about incentive events or anything about live events, check out our show notes for more information. There's lots of fun stuff in there. Or just go to proscenium.com and drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Because at Proscenium, we help presenters do their best in front of their most important audiences. As we like to say, we help brands perform. And I have a sneaking suspicion we can help your brand perform. If you want to get in touch with Talia, you'll find her contact information in the show notes. If you like the Procast, you can sign up for it at proscenium.com or get it anywhere you get your other podcasts. Now, today's show was hosted by me, Jeremy Dobrish, who was produced by Bethany Potter original music by Maestro Mike Mancini, and filled with creative geniuslessness by Henry Evans. And hey, you know how at the end of podcasts, they ask you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a good rating? Well, of course, we'd love you to do that so more people hear about the show and so we can hear your thoughts. But look, you want to keep this one just between us? That's cool too. So until next time, stand by to fade the Procast out and Procast out. Let's go. Let's go.